0: Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org.
1: The earlier on the staff side can help you, the better it will be for you. The better that you know what policies are in place, the more you can adapt yourself and your process to what those policies are.
0: If they know that their managers are on board and, you know, there are people out
2: there to help them, then it's not such a scary thing. If you don't disclose something, whether it's in your employment, whether it's at home, whether it's with your friends, that's going to have a major impact on your life.
3: We want to employ a workforce that represents the community that we serve so that we can provide accessible service that meets the needs of our diverse patients and improves the patient experience. I'm Andrea Smith, Equality and Diversity Manager for the Royal Liverpool and Broadgreen University Hospitals NHS Trust. Just going to a meeting, I'll see you later. Okay, so we're just heading up to the Equality and Diversity Subcommittee meeting. We generally meet every six weeks. Um, it's a meeting where we have representation from across the hospital, and we talk about key projects that we've got underway and programmes of work and what our next steps are. We're going to be talking about our progress with the workforce diversity monitoring project that we've had underway for a number of years. So looking at. Where we're, where we're at at the moment with that and what extra work we need to do to improve our diversity stats and how that's helped some of our staff in the hospital. Hi everyone. Okay. Morning everyone, thanks for coming along. Um, this is just a meeting just to recap on where we're up to in terms of our equality monitoring project. We started the diversity workforce monitoring projects a number of years ago because we wanted to understand the diversity that we aim to be representative of the the population that we serve and we also wanted to make sure that all of our employment processes were fair and equitable and that there wasn't any potential discrimination or inequalities in our HR processes and a number of our staff have been in post for 20-30 years have never been asked some of the equality monitoring questions that you get asked routinely when you're applying for jobs in the NHS. So we recognised there were some gaps in data that needed to be addressed. Initially, when we first rolled out the project, we had to put in place some interim um, just data input clerks and HR to help with the capturing and recording of the information. When we first started the project, there was some initial opposition and resistance to disclosing equality monitoring information, particularly on the protected characteristics of sexual orientation, religion and belief and disability. I think some of that was because they've never been asked those questions before, but some people also thought that those questions were a bit personal and intrusive. So we really had to ramp up the, the comms around that. We used some of the stonewall, what's it got to do with you, campaign materials to help get the message across that this is a positive thing. That we're doing and we're using it. We'll use that information to support you in the workplace and to make sure that people are not being treated unfairly. Just what else could we do, really, to try and move that forward if anyone's got any ideas? I think that the quality of our Equality monitoring information that's really improved over years and I think year on year the disclosure level increases. There are still some staff that choose I do not wish to disclose, but I think we're we're building confidence in the workforce around how that information is being used to support individuals and to make changes to practice. Uh, for example, we found that in our in our annual equality monitoring reports we found that in recruitment that BME disabled and older people were less likely to be shortlisted and appointed so we've used that information now to take some positive action and develop some pre-employment training with Job Centre Plus and Skills for Health targeted at, at those groups to help them with their interview skills and with filling out application forms so that we can try and change that statistic over time. There are a number of examples of particularly individuals that have disclosed their equality monitoring information that we've then been able to support in the workplace. For example, staff that have disclosed that they've got a disability or a long-term impairment type, and we've supported them with putting reasonable adjustments in place or getting an assessment from Access to Work. For Sarah? Okay. Can you take a phone call? Hello.
2: Hello. Hello. Karina speaking. My name's Karina Swift. I'm the eye clinic liaison officer yes, at the Royal no, 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 Liverpool no, no, no. Hospital. That is my voice era, which is an equivalent for a. Bleeper. In two thousand and fourteen, so no, I, I was registered as severely sight impaired, blind, which um, as just it, it threw me. I wasn't expecting it. Um, so in a way, for me, even though I know what's out there, what supports available, I still felt. Um, what am I going to do? How am I going to do my job? But when, when you, when you first diagnosed with any form of sight loss, you have to come to terms with yourself, and that's the main question I get a point across to people. So I knew that I would have to then now tell my employees that I'm severely sight impaired. So well, if you've got any thoughts from a disability point of view, I think. Um, when you are coming to terms with any disability, it is hard. When I first came to the Trust, which is two years ago now, um, I suppose I was quite apprehensive, really, because um, I never worked for the Trust before. And I was always in local government for 30 years, uh, and I was quite comfortable. Everybody knew uh, I had a sight problem, and I was quite supportive. So coming to an, uh, a, a new employment, a new Trust, it was just like, how am I going to be supported? When I first came, this the room that you're in now is actually my office. Um, it was quite dull. Um, people with low vision need a lot more lighting than somebody with perfect vision. So the Trust funded extra lighting. They also provided this uh, screen here, you can see on my left, is a large closed circuit TV. So if I'm un- unable to read any case notes, I will put it's under the screen and I can make it as large as I need to, I can also change the colour. Without that screen I would have to lift up the document and I'm doing that now right close to my face to try and read it which isn't suitable at work in practice and 12 hours a week I am provided with a support worker that comes in to do all the admin um, side of my role. So for instance filing, If you go to the filing cabinet, you just flick through because you've got perfect vision. I would have to lift everything out the cabinet, come back to my desk, use my closed circuit TV and that takes time. Plus and a minus key and to make it bigger, I plus it. To make it smaller, I minus it. And then here, my line manager was very good, even as high up as my director. Um, Because one of the things, we have a bleeper, um, so uh, the staff can get you at any point. And the pleepers are just a, a normal black box and with a, a number that comes up. Now, I couldn't see that, and I'd always say to somebody, Could you read that number to me? For me, as an individual with a disability, I, I didn't want to do that. I just felt inadequate. So, um, my My manager and my um, director then uh, purchased me uh, a different bleeper, so all that is when somebody bleeps me now I can speak into it, I don't need to use my site which has been a a great asset.
3: I think in in all areas where there's a member of staff that's had reasonable adjustments in place it has enhanced the the department's knowledge around the equality and diversity agenda and they've become more knowledgeable around that impairment site but also around what can be done and how we can support someone successfully to enhance their performance in the workplace and I think it benefits everybody.
2: Since coming to the Trust, if I've noticed something, and this is regarding sight loss, obviously because I am severely sight impaired, I'm going to pick up on things. One of the things I've picked up is the menus. Now the menus in in our Trust has been made uh, quite a number of years ago Um, and I looked at them and I was struggling to see them. I now sit on what's called the power of three. Power of three is just uh, three different um, divisions in the hospital that come together to sort things out around catering. So I was giving guidance of why I didn't think they were suitable for visually impaired people and how they can improve that. Um, So I I feel I've I've made a a great uh, impact on that committee and I know I was well received.
3: I think the equality and diversity subcommittee was key Um, supporting the project and getting the project off the ground and getting the additional resource in place to enable us to to be able to capture and record that information but also to keep it on the agenda and keep it topical so that we continually striving to improve our workforce diversity monitoring information we've also developed our HR policies and processes further so our reasonable adjustments policy and our gender reassignment policy and we've, we've recently supported a member of staff through a gender transition in the workplace and that was it went really well. Is
2: there
1: a big um, difference in the amount of people that volunteer this information willingly and people that... I am a novice clinical coder, I'm also a transgender, I recently went through the redeployment process here at the Royal Liverpool Hospital and I wish to remain anonymous. In the staff survey there actually
3: is, uh, yeah. that's a good point. It, it was
1: very hard, not not necessarily to come out in, in a work environment but to myself more than anything, um, that was the hardest part. Um, Once I realised that there was something that I needed to address and something that I needed help with, you know, it was a little bit of deliberation, but ultimately the Trust website makes it easy to find out who you need to speak to, with this sort of thing, so the email itself was a little bit daunting, um, the initial sort of contact, but it wasn't too difficult. I'd say it was quite relieving to sort of get the ball rolling more than anything else. HR basically were there to uh, supply as much information as they needed to. I disclosed my information, they said, okay, well, here's our policy in place. This is what we can do for you. We can eventually redeploy you um, if you feel you need that. We can support you in any way that you need to. We can um, basically just telling me that they're there for me. as far as the actual process itself, um, they laid all this out for me. I told them that I would be ready to progress when I would be at the state where I was ready to progress. It took a while to get on hormones, it took a while to get a referral through to a gender identity clinic, that sort of thing. Um, So they basically just sat there saying, if you need anything, come to us. When you are ready to move forward, we can put all of these steps in place. Um, So when I eventually did feel that it was ready to make the leap, I just got in contact again, they ran me through the process again, they told me what was expected and what I needed to know. Um, They asked me a lot of really good stuff, like what sort of roles I was interested in. They asked me to sort of basically write a little mini CV, because I did want to be redeployed, obviously. Um, A change of scenery more than anything else. And then it was a case of any job roles coming available in the Trust would basically just be fed to me. I would look over them, determine whether or not they seemed applicable to, to me and my strengths. And then eventually the clinical coding role came up to me and it definitely sounded my sort of thing.
0: It's like, why are you asking me these questions? It shouldn't matter. Yeah. So I think that's probably the belief that I'm I'm going to be treated differently. I am this member of staff's line manager in the clinical coding department at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, um, and I wish to remain anonymous. The personal things, sexual orientation, transgender, things like that, I think, you know, it's good to have that information as a manager. But I don't think it would make anybody's role any different. It wouldn't make a difference in the office. Managers have an obligation to, to make those adjustments for people.
1: My current line manager um, treated me as a person, which is wonderful, that's all I can really ask for. With my situation, it's it's a little bit weird, you're never too sure what to expect and she's never had any issue with it. She's treated me as you'd expect any staff member to be treated and you can't really ask for any more. It's essentially just a job application. And since joining, she's been there for whatever I've needed.
0: The process for this member of staff joining our department was really straightforward. Um, We put a number of jobs out on the NHS website and before they can go out, they are sent to HR to look over and see if there's anybody within the trust that they felt would be suitable. Um, And I was contacted and asked to meet this particular member of staff um, as they felt, you know, she was gonna be suitable for the role. Um, So we met with a member of HR as well. We had a chat because it's quite a complex role. I wanted to know what she was getting into before <laughs> she was coming, so I was pretty straight about you know, what we would expect. And obviously we put a lot of money into the staff and I want to make sure it's the right thing for her and for us as well. Um, so we gave her a little bit of time to think over it and then I was contacted by email and said, yep, yeah, it's something that I want to do. So we had um, our next meeting with HR um, where she disclosed um, uh, issues to me um, freely um, and to be honest it didn't actually make me think any different, if anything I just thought she was really brave for, for bringing that to the table and, and letting me know. Um, So we spoke with HR again. Obviously, um, she had to give a little bit of notice in the role that she was in already, and then um, was due to join the team, I think it was a couple of weeks later. So during that period, I liaised with HR quite a bit to make sure that everything was in place so that when she came, everybody, you know, everything was in place, her ID, uh, email addresses, everything was changed over so that was who she was you know nobody would know any different and it was a really really smooth process she started on day one as any other member of staff would put on a training plan um, we've obviously had to support her with appointments and things um, but yeah that's just we, we are involved with flexi time and things like that so it's quite easy to just say well you make your time up. You can go for your appointments as as any other staff member would. So, yeah, it's been. She settled into the team really, really well, um, and we've got a good little relationship going on. There's
1: there's a lot of support that people may need um, in terms of workplace support and in terms of home-based support. Um, for me, the workplace support was basically a read-through of any policies that are in place, what the hospital can do for me, and to facilitate anything that they can do for me.
0: I think people are reluctant to disclose the information because they feel like there's a stigma attached to it, and if you know, if I disclose this information, am I going to be put on some special policy, and it means I can't work the same as everybody else, and it's making people understand that this is why we do it, and it's, it's ultimately to make things better you know going forward and in the future for everybody and then hopefully it will get easier and easier for people to come right out and and disclose this sort of information
1: in terms of um, when they should disclose honestly it would depend on the person i I think disclosing as early as you could is probably best because the earlier you can make let them know that you need to be redeployed you can let them know that you need name changes being done identification badges that sort of thing i had all of that laid out well in advance so when the time came for redeployment when the time came for a new role it was really straightforward because they had all the information there and they just got it all sorted within a week and it's been my new role since then i've not really had any slip-ups at all um, and it's just a case of letting them know when you're ready to let them know, when you're ready to make that first step forwards in a work environment. And I think with the NHS, that, that first step is daunting, but it's the NHS, and you can't really expect bad things from them. They're a really wonderful um, organisation from the top down, so it's just making that first step and... Going from there.
3: <laughs> okay, so I think I think we need to continue with our communication campaign and maybe look for some volunteers from some good practice stories from the, the workforce of people that are willing to share how they've been supported to build a confidence. Yeah. Thank you for coming and we'll we'll arrange the catch up again shortly. Yeah, thank you.
0: My advice for any other managers would be, you know, don't be afraid of it. It's it's a lot more straightforward than you think. I can see in quite daunting when somebody brings these kinds of issues to you for the first time and you think oh is it going to be complicated am I going to have to do this this and this and it was actually really really straightforward and I had a point of contact in HR and I was like well how do I do this what do I do with that and she answered all my questions so it was just really easy to place it in the
2: team and just and go forward. I do promote to staff here at the hospital if I hear anything or if anybody says I'm struggling or I've I've got an illness or a disability, I always advise them to tell and speak up because it's all it's going to do is enhance their career, their career pathway. It doesn't hold you back. They can't judge you and they can't um, stop you from progressing through the trust. Engage
3: with your trade union colleagues and staff side reps and work in partnership and form a project group. Get some commitment to resource to help you to to collect and capture the information and communicate consistently and openly with staff across the organisation around why we're doing this and how it will help to improve services for all.